Jake Knapp is the inventor of the design sprint and the New York Times bestselling author of the book Sprint. He's also the co-founder of Character, a venture fund for early stage startups. How and why did you start using Miro? I came from this position of thinking, I don't want to be doing stuff online to thinking now when I do a sprint in person with a company, it's like, we're going to use Miro, even though we're all in the same room, because that's a better way for us to get this work done. As an investor, we're basically investing in their ability to solve problems. We're saying, we think this group of people is going to be able to solve a problem in a really great way and create value by doing it. And actually, you need to give people the tools that can help them make decisions, help them collaborate, help them visualize and see things in a different way. And Miro does all those things. So to me, at least as an investor, I'm thinking, give the team the tools that are going to help them think, that are going to make the most brighten their, their skills as smart folks. And Miro is at the top of that list. Hello and welcome to the Ramon Foster Show. Ramon, I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And Moan, what's going on, man? Not much, man. I'm like you, moving and shaking, trying to get as much as we can get done before preseason gets done? Yeah, I guess. I mean, it, it's funny that, you know, uh, not all that long ago, we were getting all amped up because there was going to be preseason games, and now we're talking about regular season games just a couple mm-hmm. of weeks away. And, you know, Moan, that leads really nicely into our first subject, which is, How does an offensive line put it together with everything I've heard you say over the years about how all this chemistry and camaraderie that we formed and it took a long time and we're a band of brothers and everything else. These dudes are getting two weeks. How are they going to pull it off? Being around each other. um, The whole thing. Yeah. Challenging each other, man. Um, Messing up, honestly. (laughs) <laughs> uh, just being completely real before you get to that point. And it's going to be a gradual thing. It's going to be seeing a young guy um, pull it together when you don't feel like he should. It's going to be support of, let's say, Trey Turner, who's a guy that's um, new, but you want to encourage him to be a guy that kind of leads out front and just reassurance of good plays happening or bouncing back from bad plays, man. It's It took us – when we were first getting our group together, because it was kind of piece by piece by years of me and Pounce and then Gills into the fold and then Dave's into the fold. And then we had Beach there and Beach is gone. And then Al is it, this group is kind of growing together. Who are the two oldest that, that are going to be starters right now for the most part? Let's go Chooks and let's go Zach. Those guys got to make sure it's an, it's an inclusion type of thing. Um, not being sensitive. That was one of the things that we took real i ain't gonna say serious but if you have a bad play cool don't be sensitive about it like being able to say that to your teammate like man dbs was i think don't be sensitive doing the small things like (laughs) um like the small fines for doing something and and being like neglectful and paying the fine and the small arguments it's more off field stuff dk honestly i was gonna say this doesn't sound like something that would be in, in a football game it ain't, and that's why I probably aggravated Kev and Coach T and everybody in the building when we were around each other. Because when we were around each other in the building, we weren't pricks about stuff, but like, oh, here come the big boys. Like, <laughs> that's where we were. <laughs> and that's why I said be around each other. Like, we would walk together. We would have breakfast together. If we were downstairs in the cafeteria while special teams was going on, and when we walked upstairs and if it was some small skill guys sitting on the couches, 
they knew to get up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was it was those things, and it's it's the smallest things. It's like finding somebody for like farting in the old line room, and you know that's like oh, one of the. No. But it's that is being able again to DBS. Don't be sensitive about what we got going on because at the end of the day, if I can communicate with you, if we can hang together, if I can talk to you about the smallest things like one of, I was just talking to somebody recently about um Chooks. I was like man he was right he was my locker mate right next to me and we still communicate yeah. to this day because why he liked being around me I like being around and it's the same thing for Zach too and BJ also Chooks was on one side BJ was on the other side and Matt Filer was right there so we were all around each other and we talked to each other even yes I know Matt Filer he you talked. guys have I have to I have to share with people here some context. You guys have nothing in common. Nothing. <laughs> I mean, not a thing. Absolutely. Uh, and just me and Marquise, honestly, don't have a lot in common in the sense of where we're from. We're from the South. He played at Florida. I played at Tennessee. And just looking at that meshing of friends, like we do have a lot in common. But what I'm saying, two different regions that, heck, a team and friendship brought together becoming brothers and like that's where they gotta be the worst thing that this group can do is get selfish selfish with how i play selfish with man it's my contract year selfish and look i was good that is one of the worst things that can happen man that there's there was a clip that was going by okay i'm sure you saw it on social media too because i i commented on it when we were in new england and the false starts. False start on everybody except for the center. That play. So you look at that and be like, of course, we, we got on the BJ about that. And that's okay, too, because it's like, dude, you heard the snap count. Everybody heard it but you, and there's not no fault on them. And it became a funny type of thing. And what was kind of said after that, well, I didn't hear. It was like, well, everybody here. So then we started mocking BJ a little bit about him oh, not being sure. able to. You know, it's. It's being able to be that candid. That's an all-timer. That For anybody who doesn't know what Ramon's referring to, <laughs> he BJ was literally the only man <laughs> left standing with the football. And yeah. everybody else on the line jumps. You've yeah. never seen anything like it before or since. <laughs> or it's, 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 again, we're talking non-football stuff. So on the field, we had one of those heated exchanges with Cincinnati. And um, here I was. Burfick did something to agitate me. He stepped on my foot one time. And what did I get caught on film doing? I got caught kicking him in his ankle also. It was a little tap. I got fined, and we rewound that thing like 10, 11 times, and they're on me. Mo, what were you thinking? Like, you didn't think you was going to get caught? Like, yeah. it's being able to <laughs> jab when you can, man, and, and um, recognize that, look, it's, it's the only group that's got five guys that got to be on the same page. Well, and if we're not on the same page, we, we're going to be lost. Yeah, that's, I mean, off the field, it's just, there's no way around that it. it's going to take time. There's no way to push a fast forward button. It you ain't. mentioned the composition of this line. Um, you have, you know, Chooks, you know, uh, you know, Zach on the right side. Um, there's Kevin Dotson. Yeah. And, and you mentioned Trey Turner as the right guard. And you've got Kendrick Green, who's kind of a, an, uh, he, he comes across to me as kind of an old soul. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't behave like a rookie. He's not Marquise either. He's a different guy. And, and at the same time, I, I look at these guys and I I say to myself, especially after watching their offense uh, Saturday night against the Lions, where I say, 
you know, I mean, they 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 look like they can make individual plays yeah. at individual times. But I didn't see that come and help this guy, come and pitch this guy. Yep. Uh, and 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 Ramon, I'm sorry. This the cynic in me or the skeptic in me, I, I can't see that just magically coming together in time for Orchard Park. That's because it's a different preseason. And they're also young as a different offseason, too. As far as the amount of time they were able to have with one another, this is going to be a gradual reps type of thing where they're going to be learning on the fly during the season. It's going to be Coach Clem having to be hard and harsh sometimes. They look, be together, bring him with you. Why is he the only person by the pile? Those things were pointed out during the season sometimes by Coach Kugler. Okay, when we had him, these are honestly, if we're being real, that set the mentality of, look, it's a band and you leave nobody behind. And that's the, the beauty of playing a game. Long as there's nothing major happening as far as negative plays, all of those things that you're talking about, it's going to have to happen during the season. You build a, a, a callus to what you're going to be as a group. You know, like I know, we were kind of under the radar in the same boat that this group is in right now. What are y'all going to do as a group? Mm -hmm. And the only way to figure that out is through play. We became a group, man, that really evolved year by year, piece by piece, like Trey's an older guy. So he can be there, let's say, maybe another two, three years if he plays up to it. And then you got a bunch of young guys that's got to carry that lineage on to whatever their standard is going to be. When we come back, the rest of the offense – Welcome back to the Ramon Foster show and Ramon we saw the we saw the offense overall mm-hmm. um, for better or worse the nation saw the offense and saw what what people like me have been reporting from camp for a while which is that there's a lot of skill and there's a lot of talent here yeah yeah it is um I think first and foremost you're seeing the dedication to the run to be a thing. I think you see how explosive Najee can be, even if it's a, a 12-yard run that moves the chains. That has to keep this that, that the, uh, the opposing team's front seven honest to say, hey, we got to be able to stop that. And I know we talk a little bit about the O-line is always going to be an issue, but they're, they're moving guys. They're finding ways to make holes, too. There's some rhythm to it. There's some misdirection to it. And just the fact that you don't know who's going to get the ball. That's mm-hmm. insane. Pat Fryermuth. The yeah. young rookie, yep. he can be a problem, I think. And I'm going to knock on wood because I hate to correlate this, but he's going to be what Cincinnati hoped Tyler Eifert was going to be. Oh, geez. Yeah, if, remember, sta- if he could have stayed on the field, yeah. Yes, that's yeah. what I'm seeing out of that. And just having Ebron, who's a weapon, and I know you are all you can always bring up the knock on his blocking ability and you know all that type of stuff, but the guy is a threat on offense. Yeah, it's funny. Ebron got buried uh, in that game by Fryermuth's two touchdowns, but Ebron ended up with four catches for 51 yards. And, oh, by the way, just for our entertainment purposes, threw maybe the two best blocks of the night, uh, one of them on Najee's big run, the 46-yarder, and the other one on Najee's eight-yard run up the middle, that was Ebron that came in. You know what I'm talking about. Think about it. That actually was a case of the the whole offensive line really blocked well on that one. Yeah. But Ebron came in and nailed his guy. 
So let, let's think about that. If you're getting a vet like him to buy into the system, and I know, and you know, for I see some of the message boards. I see a bunch of articles, critics, you know, none homers, and everybody's got to be fair when they're covering it. But there's been always the conversation of discipline, uh, who's got a stronghold on this team, and they're out of whack and out of sync. Well, you're getting a veteran like um, you get a veteran like Ebron. That's finding a way. You find a young guys like like Juju celebrating the teammates. You find a guy, hey, squeaky wheel gets the oil, James Washington. He called for the ball, and guess what? He got it, and he also delivered. So where are you going to go when you got a team that a lot of people are saying, well, we're saying this team is going to be bad, who are now saying <laughs> this team can be very dangerous? It's the buy-in. It's the tie that look. Whatever the Kool-Aid is that it is in Pittsburgh, we've seen a guy, and I saw the um, a long uh, conversation, a long interview that Trey Turner had about what it's been like being in Pittsburgh. And I think if you have an opportunity to play there, you will. And Trey is one of those guys that's doing it. We're seeing Ebron have fun. I don't know what is this, his second emergence in the in the league, but he's looked at almost now as a, a stiller in a sense. You know what I'm saying? Like he is one, but – when guys come from other teams, sometimes their identity of where they were kind of stick with them. Ebron's fully evolving himself into the Pittsburgh culture, and I love to see that. What the, the sense of balance or the mm-hmm. sense of potential balance is something that when I was speaking after the game with both Ben and Najee, they brought up the idea that we don't have to force yeah. anything. And I, I, I liked hearing that on one hand because you want to know that your offense is capable yeah. of doing both things. Uh, Najee made the point specifically as it relates to third down. He just kind of shrugged and said, you know what, we're just going to take whatever it is that they give us. If it's third and short, we're not going to go and just say, hey, we have to run because we're right. you know, showing them that we're tough or whatever. If they're lining up, across, I mean, if we have another play that we can run that's – that's going to get us yeah. a third down. We're going to take it. Um, I, I guess that makes me kind of wonder, though, on the other hand, mm-hmm. like what is exactly this offense going to look like? Because, Ramon, you said it yourself earlier in this show. You talk about committing to the run. And I, I think sometimes that sounds almost like you have to revert Cliche. to the 1970s. <laughs> yeah, right? And, and it's got to be just be Franco, Rocky, and a cloud of dust. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think with this one, what Najee's alluding to, and kind of what you see has kind of been over the years, too, is if whatever they give you because of the amount of skill that you have out there, like, I don't know if we had this many threats. And we may have in the early parts of, let's say, 13, 14, 15, when you had a vet. Was he still around then? He, yeah, he was. And the money guys were the, the receivers. The money team. And, like, yeah. But as far as, like, these guys have more experience than what um, than what Martavis and, and A.B. And, 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 and those guys had. Like, look at all the experience that Juju has. Look at all the experience that Deontay has right now, Ebron has right now, and you still got a young guy in Claypool that's still doing well. So given the option of, let's say, third and three, well, Najee can be out there and you can still run, or McFarlane has proven that, hey, he can be a threat also in either parts of the game. And I honestly don't know in the last three years of our offense if we've had the ability to do the things that they've done. I feel like we relied heavily on the passing game. Yes. But this group can say we can bring five out and still run the ball. 
because we got two running backs that can be passing threats, or we can keep them wide and still, you know, throw the ball. Like this balance is something that teams would love. Oh. Um, and you, we hadn't even talked about the defense. No, but the the to the, the the balance that that we're talking about here, it it goes as as you're as you're beginning to suggest here. It goes to not just the personnel and not mm-hmm. just pass versus run, but also to all of this motion, to all of this misdirection. Which, by the way, everyone associated with this offense will attest yeah. that they haven't shown you anything yet. They and, and, and and I can tell you that from watching practice, they actually haven't shown you anything yet. They didn't I'm, show anything to the Lions. They didn't show anything to the Cowboys. They didn't show anything to the Eagles. They're not going to show anything to the Panthers either. I believe it because all we're seeing is a couple misdirections, a tight end coming underneath, wide receiver coming underneath. Mm-hmm. And you know how you know it's like it's still secrets behind it because they're still doing the reverse that they were doing a little bit last year where it's like we know that already. Well, duh, we're going to continue to show you the old thing because we got so much new to see. And just to, you know, Talk about this whole, you know, third and three to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. I think what we learned from the last regime as far as that type of offense and that type of mindset was it made it to where you had to do those things. I think learning from what Coach Randy had to what Coach Canada is having right now is the fact that, yeah, we can still use it, but we still got other options. I think most of the league got to the point to where, for the most part, to where if it was third and one, it was easier to pass. I think they've opened up and said, okay, now we can buff this a little bit better. We find different ways around, and I can't wait to see what what, what the OC and Ben is going to be able to do with those options of learning from throwing on third and one or, you know, tight red zone type of situations. Well, like every other discussion about this offense, it begins and ends with the offensive line. So we will too. And I'm going to throw this into the third and short equation. Uh, You know this for a fact. Coach Clem has stressed above and beyond everything else with his offensive line, the return of physical football to the offensive line yeah now on one hand we can talk about zone blocking and it's a nice weapon to have Mm -hmm. but on the other hand you can talk about third and short or fourth and short where it's basically me versus you you know what i've said this time and time again and i love pittsburgh to death and you know that but one of the things that you always have to have is you is youthfulness on your line and where they're at right now we were i think maybe a year kind of pushed to the limit. If I can be completely honest, I love the salary. I love the play. (laughs) I love the camaraderie, but we may have been a tick too long because I know for a fact that Kevin and Ben wanted to get the opportunity to get us that ring. And I love that about them. But seeing what these young guys are capable of when you say getting off the line of scrimmage, playing with reckless abandonment, under control. If you watch those guys and I'm watching them, and I talked to Coach Clem a little bit too, and I was just like, man, they all of them look aggressive. All of them look like they're trying to punch somebody through their chest, like grab their heart when they punch them because he's putting in their mindset, eyes are on us. We got to go deliver, and I know he takes that personally because I've talked to him about those things. It was one time I thought Chook's arms were too wide. No, they weren't. He had them tight, but he pulled them back and pushed them forward so quick, it looked like he went wide. Hmm. But he was punching the guy so friggin' hard to where I'm like, yep, 
He needed that. I'm looking at Zach. Zach needed a guy like Clem. I'm looking at Trey Turner learning to block longer for Ben, <laughs> you know, because yeah. they need that. And you got the two young guys, Dodson and Green, that are – they just don't know what they don't know, and they're going to do whatever Clem tells them to. Yeah, it's there's there was a lot of signs of that. And, and uh, before we go to break, I'm going to throw in a special mention to Trey Turner because he had one guy – that he just obliterated, and it saying? was it, and it was it, it was bad mood obliterated. Like it was it was mean. I, I'm telling you, and I didn't gonna... know that about him. I it's... I mean I know he had the credentials that he had. Yeah. I didn't know he had mean in him. It, look at where this group is at. I know we got to go into the break, but they got a hungry vet, a guy that coming off an ACL who's hungry as ever, a left tackle who's trying to prove himself that he's a left tackle, and he is, and he's athletic enough, and two young guys that you strike a match and they go. It's not going to be perfect, and they're going to get criticized and all those type of things, but you got the perfect group for the job right now as far as a reset of a old regime as far as us. When we come back, a slice of life with Ramon. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show, brought to you always by the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where they're serving fresh, hot food around the clock, including, by the way, right over where the Steelers practice on the south side. Real nice Get-Go nice over side. there. Yes. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Over the train Foster tracks. Train tracks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for our Slice of Life with Ramon segment. And, and Ramon, one of the things I always ask you about off-camera, and I think people will find interesting, is to what extent you maintain contact with people that you played with or people who still might be playing. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think there might be a perception that when you're done, you're done. You know, you just go riding off into the sunset. Like, you're like Brett Kiesel. You just go live with the cows, you know, up no. in, where is he, Wyoming? <laughs> yeah. You, you just, you just, and you name them all after former Steelers and you're all done. What is it actually like? And it's, it's truly still a brotherhood. And case in point, this past week I've talked to, I call him Patches O'Houlihan. That's Matt Spade. Yep. He texts me out of the blue. Charlie Ratch, right? I talked to him. Yeah. Talk he, about a great blocker, by the way, Matt Exactly. Matt Spade. <laughs> I've talked to Heath recently through a text here that I call him the Godfather. Um, um, ben, the other day, because it was a kid in the Little League World Series, that favorite player was Ben Roethlisberger. Of course, I'm talking to Marquise Dave and Al and him having the ability to have uh, Brian McFadden on my show. Or Ryan uh, Clark if you leave Gil out, he's going to be mad. Gil, yeah, okay. no, <laughs> Marcus Gilbert. Gil. Although he changes his numbers like four times in a year, okay? <laughs> Talking to Gil, like Beach I just talked to recently. Clem I talked to. Like, it's really a brotherhood. Like I said, Coach Danny Smith hit me up this summer out of the blue just to say what's up. I had a long conversation so with Coach, Coach T. Hel yeah. yeah, Coach mm -hmm. T and, and Kev. And Kev is always wrong. If you need me, let me know. I'm an open book to you. Like, it's those type of conversations where – that doesn't really happen, man. And I, I've heard this happen and with with other people in the same similar situation, being able to hit up Troy Palomalo, who was a world superstar, at least in the United States as far as football goes, but a world figure when it comes down to him. And not only that, still being able to tap into the young guys around the league that are still on the team, man, it's, it's so cool because it's – a league, it's a business, 
but there's a bunch of friendships. There's a bunch of life friends that come out of those situations, even if they go to other teams. Um, having a conversation, like I said, with Beach, and um, what was it the other day? Was it his birthday? And I was like, man, happy birthday, dude. And he was like, dog, it's crazy that we're still doing that. And lo and behold, <laughs> that, that he's still doing Lo and behold, there's a picture that pops up in my phone, and I send it to him. It was from camp from, like, 2015. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. it's – it's truly cool, man. Like, one of the hardest things to do for guys, uh, especially if they don't feel like they fulfill their career, is to walk away from the game. But it's also hard for guys to walk away because you got to think, if you come in the league at 20 to 22 years old, 23 years old, like, you spend five-plus years in one spot, and your adult life, that's the longest you've ever been in one place. So being able to have those relationships and 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 steady communicate with guys that they've seen my kids literally grow up. Yes. I've watched young guys get married and have kids and have wives. I've seen or I've had conversations with people who've lost a, a person in their family and you grow closer because of that, because y'all can talk about things like it's not just all sports, it's life stuff. It's and it was funny because that was what me and Coach Tom was talking about. It wasn't the game. We talked about life stuff, man. How are your kids? We talked about um, the ability for, you know, just expecting these young kids to come in the league and the type of responsibilities they have where they go from being a young man to the alpha in their family and all that pressure and, you know, that goes along with trying to be a responsible adult. Like, those are the conversations we have. Or I'm texting Kev or he's hitting me up about baseball stuff. Because oh, yeah. he he know my kids are big into it, and mm -hmm. um, he's a, a big time baseball guy. So, case another one, I hit up Kev, my producers from Pittsburgh, Western PA, and he took vacation to come. That would up. be Jonathan Schaefer, by Jonathan the way. Jonathan Schaefer, yeah. by Nashville the way, guy, yes, Nashville guy, huge Steeler fans, and he didn't tell me this is like a month or so into the show. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I'm from Western PA. So, uh, he goes up to Pittsburgh. Uh, visit his parents and you know see family and he's going to a Pirates game I was like man let me see if I can get you some tickets to the game no it's fine I hit up Kev Kev man you still got your tickets you know like that <laughs> I was like you're using your tickets for the Tuesday game and you know what Kev said no I'm not but you are like <laughs> it wasn't even a question you know and those are relationships that make it hard to walk away from the game why I'm so loyal to Pittsburgh why um, it's a family. I sent my wife a picture of the boys in the locker room the other day. You know what I'm saying? It's just seeing that and watching those guys interact with my kids and me. And it's truly, and we hadn't even got to the ownership of it. Like it's, it's layers, man. It really is a cool organization. I, the, I must say the personal touch is, is something that is, um, Maybe sometimes, especially if the Steelers aren't doing well, people kind of roll their eyes at it like, ah, come on. It, it can't be that different with other teams. The only thing I can speak to on my end, Ramon, is I cover all three of the teams in Pittsburgh. All three of them are different. They, yeah. All three have had, uh, you know, they, they have different histories, different mm -hmm. compositions, and they're different sports. I can say from the Steelers' standpoint that so much of the focus is personal. Um, I remember Dick LeBeau mm -hmm. coming into the cafeteria and looking at what I had on my tray. Hey, you're laughing because you know what he's going to do here. Okay, but he's looking at what I had on my food tray, and he goes, no. <laughs> and he makes me put it down, 
and he brings me over to the bar, you know, the, the middle bar yeah. that has the bananas on it. Okay. Yeah. This is on the south side. And he's like, you got to have, bar. you got to have this. You're going to have this. You're going to, and you know what? Every day since then, at least before the pandemic, when, yeah. when everybody was allowed to move in and out of there, I grab a banana. Yeah. For Coach LeBeau. Coach LeBeau. Okay. And, and these are the kinds of things. Whenever we started this site, when we started DK Pittsburgh Sports, mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a there's not a, an occasion where I would run into uh, Art Rooney or Kevin Colbert, and they wouldn't ask, yeah. "How's the business going? How's it going? How are you doing there? Is there anything we can do uh, on our end?" That's man, uh, you that, know, that's stuff that hits you in a different spot. It doesn't happen, man, and um, and and it's not just me or just you. It's across the board. Mm-hmm. In general, I'm looking at Troy's uh, Hall of Fame celebration, and the guys. One, we get the invitation for. It. I wasn't able to go, but seeing a guy like Rob Golden sitting at the table with Troy, it's Robert Golden. He's yes. in the same boat with me, undrafted, no Pro Bowls, no All Pro, no big time accolades, and here's here he's sitting with the Hall of Famer and seeing James there and him taking pictures with with, with Teresa and just it's cool. A, how about how about uh, Troy giving uh, one of his most vocal callouts to Mike Logan? Yeah, the McKeesport, the McKeesport guy who I, who came in and basically trained Troy yes. to take. His job. Exactly. It's different, so it, different dynamic. And man. that's that's why it was always important to me to, to always support the guys behind me because I, he did that for Troy. Willie Colon is a guy that took all of us under his under his wing and showed us how to be a Pittsburgh Steeler, how to be a pro. And it's not just one or two positions, DBs, like it's it's not the case like that because if you listen, if you, sh- if you all got a chance, go listen to RC interview with him, Ike Taylor, and Troy Polamalu in a celebration of what um, Troy going into the Hall of Fame. It's about as a candidate I've I've seen Troy be. Uh, I have to. I have to. I always have to jump in and let people know who you're talking about when you say RC. It's RC. Ryan Clark, <laughs> <laughs> so, and, 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 and 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 nobody nobody can conduct a class the way the way Ryan Clark can, and that's the yeah. reason that he's he's made it to ESPN. Yeah, but hearing Troy give some of his timeline on how he was his rookie year and how the vets look to them is like it was funny hearing them say like the vets were like y'all were the reason we sucked you know what i'm saying and hearing that <laughs> and you you know it's funny because what did i say to you about being able to g- get some camaraderie you got to be able to be honest yeah with your teammates that's how you get closer that's how you get tighter and they accomplished that and um if you listen to us go listen to them because you'll understand how this conversation comes about um it's not just a game and a jersey and a paycheck and you know, those type of things is, is some people envy it DK. And I know that to be true. I've had people personally tell me, you don't understand what it was like to play for that organization. And they were on other big time, historically known uh, teams. And it's not saying that they wanted to come, but they respect that guys playing Pittsburgh and won the way we did. And the culture is what it is. Oh, we hear it. Hey, Ramon, if there's nothing else that everyone should take from this episode, it should be DBS. It is don't be sensitive. I am going to – I feel like that we should make a sign over that here yeah. that we should touch on the way into the studio. <laughs> DBS, that's good stuff. Ramon, let's do this again next week and get us ready for the season. Let's do it. I can't wait. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. 
All right. He's Ramon Foster. I'm Dan Kovacevich. Thanks for watching the Ramon Foster Show. Okay, here's how Miro works. See, it's amazing. What's everyone doing at David's desk? Ever since marketing started using Miro's collaborative online whiteboard, he thinks all our other teams should sign up. Why? He says Miro's making his meetings disappear. And if every team gets on it, that means even less meetings. They're using Miro for brainstorms, mind maps, customer research. So could we use Miro instead of having another 100 meetings for every round of feedback? Yep. You can comment, react to ideas, even leave a recording on the board. And what about presentations? There are Miro templates for that. How do you know so much about Miro? I've actually been using it all along. I just used a Miro board to plan the best vacation. Okay, I'm on board. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com with three boards free forever. That's M-I-R-O.com.